the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Jesse, one of these days we'll be able to talk about hockey. You know, one of these days we'll be able to come on here and actually talk about the sport. Um, it's funny because I, I, uh, I, I have like I, I always hang out with my dad on Fridays and Sundays. You know, we get coffee in the morning on Friday, and then we, um, and then and then we watch football in the afternoon, like four to seven, like the four the four thirty p.m. Eastern time slate on sun on sundays and so i had friday uh, i had coffee with him on friday this friday we're recording on sunday right now so he's coming over after we're done with this um and it was funny because we were talking back to uh about like the year that that happened and he's like and and throughout all of that he was he was joking about how you know when all of the when you know back back in the last like two years when everything has happened in hockey you know when the kyle beach stuff happened when you know uh, uh like just Every every sort of skeleton that you could possibly see get dug up, you know, like Cow Beach, Hockey Canada, all of that, everything got dug up. He 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 used to be like, when are you when are you able to write about hockey? You know, like I like I enjoy reading your stuff about hockey. Uh, you know, this is I, I'd love for people to just stop committing crimes for a second so I can read my son's articles about actual hockey. And we were laughing about that on Friday, you know, at about, you know, 11 in the morning. And it was it was all joyful. And I get back home, sit down at my desk and go to do some work and immediately get treated to the the uh, a notification that says the Boston Bruins have signed defenseman Mitchell Miller to a three year entry level contract. And it's it's almost like the world this, like decided, you know, oh, you guys were talking about how, you know, all all of, all of hockey is just being an absolute, you know, like show. and no one can actually talk about hockey. So let's, let's keep that up. Let's do that again. Um, so yeah, the Boston Bruins signed Mitchell Miller, uh, 21 year old defenseman and convicted criminal to a three year entry level contract with the maximum amount of term average annual salary at both levels at both the NHL and AHL level and the maximum amount of performance bonuses. Uh, it's hard to even, decide where to begin with this i have a place let's start with the fact that so like i'm assuming mike that like people listen to the show regularly and and if you do you've heard us talk about the hockey canada stuff like you've heard us be on our uh uh soapboxes so to speak if you want to use that term about how disgusting and stupid uh the board of hockey canada is and 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 the cover-ups the slush funds uh i want to start by saying like the word culture inherently includes all of this. Yeah. So it includes the discussion about Mitchell Miller today. It includes the discussions we've had um, about Akim Alou. It includes the discussions uh, that we've had about Hockey Canada. Um, this conversation is necessary because the executives from Hockey Canada stood up in front of a, a large media assembly uh, not even two months ago and said that hockey didn't have a culture problem. There wasn't any culture problem within the game. Uh, and it actually was the media uh, of which Mike and myself are a member uh, that was creating the issue 
and you know, in no lesser turn, no, and no, uh, you know, didn't say this directly, but essentially, we're we're blowing these things out of proportion, right? Yeah, it's That's our really fault. What it comes it's our fault. Yeah. So I, I'm going to start with that disclaimer because all of this to me is interconnected, and the story that we're going to mm-hmm. talk about today is about uh, a 20 something, a young 20 something. Yeah, thank you. From the age of 14 on, for some time, not in one isolated incident. No, no, from for the years. Age- no, yeah. from the age from when they were in second grade, when they were seven or eight years old, this this began. This is like is like insidious. This is, this is oh, this is nearly a decade of torment and torture that Mitchell Miller thrust upon a classmate who is uh, and and this is torment and torture that comes in ableism. It comes in assault. It comes in due to the fact that. You know the the whole lollipop. It's racist incident. as hell. Well, yeah, I was getting to that, but like oh. the the whole lollipop incident where where he he you know essentially dipped a lollipop in a in a a, a public urinal and then forced and then forced again this guy to lick it all under the guise that they were friends so he could abuse that trust, um, which is emotionally abusive and also be, due to that due to him lick, uh, his victim licking that it required his victim to re- receive sexual transmitted disease tests moving forward. Uh, so sexually assault, uh, s- there's a sexual nature to that. Um, and then of course, completely racist. Uh, like, yeah. like, like th- apparently the, the N word was, you know, uh, was like, um, to this guy, it was, <laughs> it, it was, you know, thrown out like candy on Halloween. And there are documented instances in the court records of him telling him to go, go pick cotton. A lot of people on this planet, um, you know, that, that's sort of the brief history of it, but there's a lot of people on this planet that are good at playing hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, any number of them, they exist in North America, in Europe, uh, abroad. Uh, why did you sign this one? That's the question, the question. Yeah. that everyone is thinking. And that's the question. So I was, I was in the Bruins room yesterday. You know, this is, but I want, I want to take us through the actual, like, sort of fallout of the signing first and everything before I get into that. But even the even the the thing is even even the the statement that they released upon signing him. And by the way, if you have to have a full statement ready, um, like like a like while when you announce a signing, like a full sort of like retru- like sort of a, a defensatory statement, maybe it's not a good idea. This is the exact yeah. same thing that that the that the Habs did with Logan Mayu, where upon picking him, they already had like a PR like you know a fire extinguishing statement. Up to to try and to try and sort of uh, keep get in like, front of the story exactly. But the the statement that he has is: When I was in eighth grade, I made an extremely poor decision and acted very immaturely. I bullied one of my classmates. I deeply regret the incident of apologizing to individual. No, he didn't. No. First of all, so there are two lies already in the first two sentences. Well, there's Number a couple. One, yeah, go go ahead because I was going to say there's more than two. Because yeah, you know, go you start because I have a whole go ahead. Oh yeah, I'll let you I'll let you pop off too. Because I'm this is I I gotta tell you, Jesse, I can't remember like the Kyle Beach thing is as a survivor of sexual assault myself, like the Kyle Beach thing was just more deeply sad to me than anything. Like it made me it made me sad. Um Hey, hey, Mike, while we're talking about Kyle Beach, just real quick, why did the National Hockey League Players Association run away from him? Run away from him at full speed and abandon him. In his time of need, but boy, will they rally around because this kid. They, holy because they're a garbage, hell. they're a garbage organization. That's they don't a bunch do of anything. Is what it is. But this, like Jesse, so so the the Kyle Beach stuff, it it uh, uh you know it made me sad. 
you know, it made me made me sort of like hurt because it, you know, again, it's obviously somewhat of a triggering experience for anyone who's gone through that. I can't remember the last time the sport of hockey has made me feel like this intense, deep, like like uncontainable rage. Like I like when this on on Friday afternoon and into Friday evening when we were covering this, um, I like. I was ready to like put a fist through a wall. Like I was, yeah. I w- I can't remember the last time I I've like been this mad. This is just so unnecessary, but just flies in the, like, it's just another example. And I wrote about this in a column, but another example that hockey hasn't learned a goddamn thing, not a single thing. And you should never, ever, ever, moving forward ever i don't care like never forget this make sure this is drilled deep into your brain never ever should we give a single person who works in hockey who tangentially at any level in any league not a single person who works at any level of hockey even tangentially even if they're a a freaking janitor even if they're even if they're the backup zamboni driver never give them a sliver of doubt of, of the benefit of the doubt because they will let you down they will. This is this is another example of hockey. All the the crap, all the false statements and posturing. You know, I've been there in person from Gary Bettman. You know, talking about how all oh, this isolated instance. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're doing that. Oh, hockey's so much better. Oh, look, our diversity report. You know, it, it goes to show that yeah, you know, we have some fallings, but we're doing better. We're doing all this. No, at the end of the day, they they thought that this twenty one year old undersized defenseman. Uh, you know, it, it might improve their chances of winning another Stanley Cup by a fraction of a little bit. And so they thought, all right, let's fly in the face of all that. Let's go. It, it, it took it took that much for them to abandon for the, the Boston Bruins, uh, yet another NHL team to completely fly in the face of everything. Do not give anyone who works in hockey, anyone who has anything to do with hockey or any decisions, the, a sliver of the benefit of the doubt ever again. They will let you down. That prepared statement that you mentioned, by the way, that that is where this. Uh, by the way, this move is popular among really two subgroups of people. The first is the Miller family. The second is online trolls and racists. That's really it. I don't think that I've seen a lot of Bruins fans come out in support of this. Uh, at least ones that aren't hiding behind um, burner accounts online. Uh, uh, you know. First of all, the statements both because it makes it seem like it happened one time, right? Like it was a one-off incident of like everybody met in the bathroom and gave this kid a swirly in the toilet and then they moved on about their lives, right? That's not again, like Mike and I we're going to beat this drum this whole show because that is not what happened. It was an insidious years-long campaign of targeted sociopathic abuse. It was calculated. It wasn't a mistake. It was calculated. Correct. He actively manipulated this person who has a developmental disability to to dupe him into thinking that they were friends so that it would open a door for him to further like embarrass him and derive pleasure from his pain. That is the definition of a freaking psychopath. That 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 statement though Mike has unfortunately worked. And you know why is because I get I've been ever since I've started discussing this on Twitter, and I know you're not in a dissimilar boat to me. People have said, hey, we all made regrettable decisions at 14. OK, how, how many of them are being held against you? Well, 
Well, here's what? the thing. <laughs> can I? Can, let me just go because because absolutely I, go, go off. I have go a off. I have a when I was 14, uh, me and a couple of my buddies had a cabin that we built in the woods. It wasn't a cabin; it was poorly fashioned wood, just sort of nailed to trees. You know, it was bull. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called the Awesome Possum. You know, like you one guys, of my buddies. I'm, I'm sure you guys were super cool back then, Jesse. I can tell. We were cool. Like we were, we'd skate, we'd take our skate, you know, skateboards, and then go up in the woods in the Awesome Possum, and like. You know, like people smoke cigs and stuff. Anyway, one day there was an accident up there and the woods caught on fire. Oh, the awesome possum caught on fire, right? Nobody's house is burned down or anything, but the forest lost a few trees that day. And we had like, we had to call the cops and like, say like, Hey, the forest is on fire. We don't know why, you know, who knows why it's just, it is like that. So we all knew we were guilty, right? Like we all knew we were guilty. What did you do? I'll tell you what I did. Okay. I called my mom. Well, I was gonna say, how did how did you set the fire? And I, so it, oh oh oh, I didn't do anything. I was there. I was just there. Uh, but uh, uh, one of my buddies decided he wanted to try to make these hamburgers. Oh, well, there you <laughs> go. Okay, yeah. And it, but he, like the lighter, he used lighter fluid to start the fire, and you can't put it out. Like your friend, your everywhere. friend is a goddamn idiot. I'm it, sorry. It, well, that's true to t- to today. So <laughs> using I, lighter fluid. Like, yeah, that's how he started the fire, and then it's just all the whole thing. So it was the whole thing. So, but here, so the thing is, as I I. I'm I'm sitting at my friend's house, you know, streets down from where I live. Yeah. There's these fire trucks coming to put this small fire out in the forest. And I called my mom and I was like, hey, I'll be home in a little bit. And my mom was like, what? Why are you calling me? Yeah. Like, wh- like why? That was just so out of the ordinary for me to be mm-hmm. like, I'm coming home. Why did she need to know that information? I live two streets down. There's never, never a time in my life that I announced to my mother that I was coming home and she looks out the window and sees fire trucks coming up oh, the boy. hill and puts two and two together. The reason this story is important is because mm-hmm. that is a one-off regrettable incident where we accidentally lit a few trees on fire. But I also want to mention this story, Mike, because in my, my calling to my mom to tell her I was on my way home, I was narking on myself, right? Yeah. Mitchell Miller in his Instagram apology to the victim says, and this is days before, by the way, the Bruins sign him, really sorry for everything that happened. By the way, this apology isn't because I'm about to get back yeah. into hockey. <laughs> Wait, he that said is the that? equivalent. Yes. I didn't the see the actual mother, The victim's mother released, oh my uh, was, God. was contacted. This I have this on my timeline on Twitter. I can't so you don't that. have to go back very far. It's just Friday night. You go back to Friday night, you'll find it. There's a victim. The victim's mother was contacted by a uh, sporting News outlet. Like yeah, a m- multiple. A lot. Yeah, because they were super open about this, right? But they mm. basically said, did he apologize? We want to know. And she says, we heard from him through inst- – I heard from him, the, the mom, through Instagram, right? He wrote this like vic- this statement to them. And in the statement said, I'm not reaching out to you because I'm about to get back into hockey. But then what, like four days later, he was signed by the Bruins. So like that's fourteen year old Jesse calling his mom and saying, "Mom, I'm I'm coming home for dinner for no reason, right? Like I didn't need to tell my mom that. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in a situation I shouldn't have been. I was in deep. Shit. My anxiety got to me and I panicked. Mitchell Miller in his own freaking apology to this freaking kid, like, outs himself for the, like. There's no more disingenuous apology. Like you waited all this time." You waited till the Bruins came and knocked on your door and said, we want to – and by the way, by the way, let's be serious here for a second, Mike. What happened here was 
The Bruins reached out. Their quote unquote due diligence was asking him if he'd apologize. I'm going to get into that as well. Yeah. He said no. They told him to do it. He did it. And in doing so, told them that that's why he was doing it. And now we're back here again. So their whole plan, Mike, to make themselves look better by facilitating this apology without letting the public know they were facilitating it is horrible. It has backfired. You'd have been better off not reaching out at all. Like, like to reach out and in your statement, make the basically tell, you know, you're telling them that that's why you're doing it. By the way, I'm not doing this because I just like, give me a break. Like they knew right away. Like it was the whole thing was just farcical. That's what it was. It was farcical. And you can't, Ye- all those years go by, right? Like, I, I somebody said to me on Twitter, "Well, he tried. Isn't that good enough for you?" No, it's no. not. It's not good enough for me. I'm sorry. Am I a freaking whack job for no. thinking that a decade after the fact, him reaching out and saying essentially in his apology that he's about to get signed by the Bruins and like ratting himself out, that's enough? No, it's not enough. And then people say, "What? So he's not supposed to work the rest of his life? Go get a job at Nationwide. Go sell insurance." Go, there's plenty of places that are hiring. I don't want to belabor. It doesn't have to be in the NHL. Sorry. I don't want to belabor like, like many of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the point I'm about to probably belabor here um, because it's just so obvious and we've kind of covered it before, but like what this is uh, like, and I shouldn't be shocked by this, but I really am shocked by how many stupid people are out there are, are out there in, in this, these situations really bring to light how many just on how many of uh, likely not people listening to this because I'm assuming p- anyone who's listening to this is not hate listening to it. They probably agree with with our statement. But if you are, if you don't agree with it, I'm pretty shocked at how stupid you are because the argument of oh, did you not make mistakes when you were 14? Blah, blah, blah. First of all, this isn't a mistake. This is a calculated, choreographed, like like sort of sequence and 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 like sort of a campaign a campaign of torture of he picked the weakest person he could find around him and then from the from when he was like seven years old until the age of 14 in 2016 proceeded to essentially make this kid's life a living hell which it probably already was not super super easy considering that he's living with a developmental disability and he has to go to school and face this person mike he was Um, gonna kill himself this yeah. kid was going to kill himself. He was going to take his own life. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what? And if he, and then if he did, Mitchell Miller killed that kid. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Like I, that's how serious this is. Like, like, like there's a I, life at stake here. There's a family's you. life at stake here. And so this is not a mistake. This is not a, and, and, and for, and for the Bruins and, and Miller to try and play it off as just the one heinous act that he was convicted for and not everything else. Like, this is not an isolated incident. And on top of that, like, so everyone's saying, oh, you know, he was 14. Do you, did you not make mistakes at 14? Oh, should he not? First of all, it's a privilege to play in the National Hockey League, full stop. It's a privilege to make millions of dollars and never have to worry about financial. Like, I, the biggest worry in my life is money. You know, every month I have to worry about whether or not I'm going to make rent, whether or not I'm going to be afford my prescription medication because I don't have insurance, you know, whether I'm going to be able to afford to freaking eat, buy groceries, or even freaking afford uh, after all this budget to be able to, to, you know, know, to ride the subway down to the rink for my job. 
So like, and so he will never have to deal with that. If even, even with this contract, cause I doubt it will ever be voided and they'll sue like crazy and all that. So no matter what, he's going to be making $925,000 for the next three years. So good for him. He'll never have to worry about, about money again. So that that's a privilege. That's not a right. Just because you're good at hockey, you don't have the right to, to play in the NHL. There are a lot of really good people, really good hockey players out there who never made the NHL. And so on top of that, most of the mistakes, like the thing about a mistake is that you have to then own up to it. You then have to make it right. And the person that you make it right with is the person that you, is the person that you, you, you acted against. And so here's, here's the thing. It's the crux of the issue that pissed me off the most is that Bruins are trying to, trying to frame this as, Oh, we're, we're all about second chances. You know, we're, we're, you know, like no one should be defined by, by the worst moment, you know, by their worst moments. We're all about second chances. Well, the, the main argument here is who it's not whether or not people deserve a second chance. It's who has the power to determine when that person has earned the second chance. Right on. And I would, and, and, and it is very much the victim of the crime. It is, it is the, the person who, who, whose life has been changed forever by, by the, the evil insidious actions of Mitchell Miller. Mm. The only person who could determine whether or not Mitchell Miller has earned a second chance at the privilege of making millions of dollars to play professional hockey, especially now in an, on an original six franchise is Isaiah Myers Crothers and his family. And we know that Miller, that Mitchell Miller right up until like before he was drafted, after he was drafted, after his, after his rights were renounced and then Lee and uh, he, he decided not to apologize. And the only thing, and the, and when he eventually apologized, he did it in the most cowardly way over Instagram and, and lied while doing so. And I think, you know, I, I, you know, certainly feels like it was at the behest of the team. Doesn't it Mike? No one. And, and I'll, I'll get into it too. So I, first of all, this is, this was not just stupid in, in like the Bruins should never have done this. It was stupid in how they did it too, because they, they unnecessarily announced it on the Friday before hockey night. In, the Bruins were supposed to play the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto on hockey night in Canada. Right. Let with Mike, you, with Jesse, Mike, with Mike Stevens in the building. Let me tell you, Jesse, I prepared for that media availability, like freaking Eminem prepared for his final rap battle against Papa Doc. In you're A-Con. in a lot of the, you're in a lot of the clips. I, first of all, I don't like that. I know. I know you hate that. Um, but like, but no one, here's the thing about, and here's what we revealed too. Uh, here's what this, this, this sort of like, uh, uh, with these availabilities and what the first public, like sort of, uh, what the first sort of public pronouncement from the Bruins players, not the, not the front office. We right. already saw Don Sweeney who walked back, who essentially walked it back immediately. Don Sweeney during his, during his availability after the announcement, announcement of the signing on Friday, he said on multiple occasions, I can't tell you this is the right decision. It might not be the right decision. I don't know if I'd be able to forgive uh, Miller who uh, I would don't, don't know if I'd be able to forgive Miller if he, if he did this to my own kid, you know, he so, said two different times that it wasn't, he wasn't sure it was the right decision. Yeah. So, so why make it? I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. And that's like, so to that point, like what, if you're a Bruins fan, what confidence does that give you in your leadership group that they're making decisions that they're not even sure are correct? It, it, I wouldn't want to hear that if I was, yeah, I wouldn't want to hear that. I don't, and so me. here's, and so here's what happened. So, so there were, there were a couple people who talked yesterday. There were three main people who talked uh, in the Bruins, first of all, and you know, like just, this is my tangential thing. Um, 
I was, I, uh, we were all waiting outside the room. It took forever. They, they made sure to clear every player out um, except for the team leaders before we went in uh, to the visiting room to speak. I was, I, I thought they weren't even going to open the room to be, to mm. be honest. Um, normally it's uh, like, for example, with the stars, when they were the last, uh, last home game or, uh, the last home game that had a morning skate for the opponent in Toronto, they mm-hmm. just open the room. Everyone's walking off the ice. You can go in there, talk to anyone you want. That's usually how it goes. Instead, the Bruins made us wait for like half an hour, cleared every player out and only left Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak and Nick Foligno. There were yeah. three, there were four main figures that talked yesterday and and David Pasternak didn't, didn't really, you know, sort of, he didn't really offer much of anything. Um, mainly people was, it, it was, Bergeron, Marshawn, Felino, and then head coach Jim Montgomery. From talking to all of them, um, they're extremely pissed. Before that, while we were waiting, I heard a Bruins PR staffer in the sort of tunnel that's down, like the luxury tunnel that's down from, from where it is, screaming at someone over the phone, um, saying, you know, like, you effed this up, and then uh, don't, like, post the full, and then the exact words I heard were, post the full quote, don't just effing cherry pick. Got it. So already things are not great uh, from a communication standpoint over there. Then pressure, yeah. after that, so we go in and Patrice Bergeron, who is the captain of the team, mm-hmm. um, essentially says, like, I don't agree with it. Well, uh, let's also say, let's also say, Mike, too, that philanthropically speaking, uh, this is something that uh, Patrice Bergeron has uh, racism specifically uh, and, 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 and uh, you know, anti-bullying campaigning is something that he's put, spent a lot of time on. Right. So uh, particularly difficult spot for him to be in, I think. And so, yeah, exactly. And also the Bruins have a, like do a lot of of charity work with the Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. They can't do that now. They can't like it's it's it, it's it's reprehensible. And so those three people talk, I would say they're, uh, they're they are the three like or, with Pasternak aside, like the three veteran leaders of the team, Bergeron, mm-hmm. Marshawn and Felino. Felino was, ex- was even more candid than anyone. Like he was like, there was not a single, like he was basically like, I don't think they're not, no guy was happy when we heard about this. Um, the whole thing is like, they are extremely pissed that this has happened. They do not agree with it. They all said, you know, basically what he did is something that, you know, we, we don't stand for and we, we operate by morals and that's something that goes against everything we stand for. Yeah. And he's basically, basically was saying like, if we, like, if, He's got an extremely long road to go down before he can even have the chance to maybe step into this room. And I don't really think they uh, they ever want him to be there. And and now it is like the Bruins are the hottest team in the league. They were 10 yeah. and one entering Toronto last night and they lost and looked very bad. Like this is this is taking a toll. You can tell. And so then Jim Montgomery steps in front of the mic and he was the most con- like sort of um like Kurt out of any of them, like his answers were not long on this. And I asked him directly, like, do you think it's fair that, that the organization has put you in this position? You know, that you have to answer for, for, I think he's like, I don't think so. Do would you, would you as a coach welcome someone like that into a, you know, would you as a coach welcome someone like that into the culture that's being built here? He's like, Oh, well, you know, I hope we're going to hope the culture is going to help him. And I go, what, what, what part in the vetting process did you play? None. So here's what they did. They, they signed Mitchell Miller without contacting the family um, of the, of the person that he tortured uh, for many years and was then convicted of a crime against um, without contacting the NHL or AHL to see if he was <laughs> eligible to play. Cause right. Gary Bettman then spoke in the global series and said, 
Mitchell Miller right now is not eligible to play in the NHL. Um, he may never be able to play in the NHL and the Bruins did not consult with us. Then the AHL and, and Mitchell Miller is supposed to report to Providence, the Bruins right. AHL team. Um, they, uh, the Scott Housen, the, the commissioner of the AHL said, uh, you know, we, I'm going to have to take a look at this because right. I don't right now, like we don't agree with anything that he's done. And right at the moment, he's not, he's not eligible to play in the AHL and we will have to review the case. So he might not be able, eligible to play in the AHL. And if he's not eligible to play in the, a, the NHL already, it's it's very unlikely that he'll be eligible to play in the AHL. They didn't consult their players. Patrice Bergeron was asked about it a week ago um, uh, by by like the front office, and he said he didn't agree with it. They went yeah. out and did it anyway. Um, so they so they didn't they didn't consult with anybody. They, they like they just like and and then even their GM is publicly going out and saying I don't know if this is the right idea. Like whatever. I have a, like and I'm not going to speculate on whose fault this is because I don't know, but. The only person who's in that front office who has who hasn't sort of like walked back their claims here is Cam Cam Neely because he hasn't, yeah. you know. And so I have to, I'm starting to think maybe he was the the focal point of this. It's it's a calamity. It, well, it is you know, it has taken the hottest one of the hottest starts in franchise history and thrown it in the trash. Mike, you know, to your point about Cam Neely, and I'm not, you know, who knows, right? We'll never know, probably, but well, maybe we will one day. But I, you know, generally speaking, if the general manager is on the same page, you'll see some kind of scrapping, right? To to like make ends meet and try to like justify it or or logicize it um, or whatever the case may be. That didn't happen at all. At all. No. Like there was the general lines given about like second chances and all the crap that you pointed out. But like, dude, that like are then that are then completely dismantled within two seconds. Correct. Like, like, and but there was no like second wind of like no like support given from that staff. So I, I I think there's credence to what you're saying. Um, but I think to, to go back to the beginning of this conversation and something that you mentioned right out of the gate, that's really important is 10 and one, right? All that stuff, hot start vibes are immaculate. Vibes are immaculate. What was the net gain here? None. This is like, I, I wouldn't be shocked and I don't have any inside knowledge of this, but like I can also, I wouldn't be shocked if, the, the just like his draft rights his contract yeah. is like like just buried essentially like they just go like okay you know what never mind like it's no, not no, worth no, but the what trouble. i mean is like no 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 like what would this put the bruins over the hump like no, was this no, going to change the trajectory of their trajectory and, of their entire org like that's what, what makes what I'm this saying. so like, boggling why is, risk it right yeah. why risk it it just doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense to me in that sense i, I don't i don't know uh. and what i love too is that like so kevin kevin dumont or kevin uh, you know oh. i i don't know he he put out he said like i talked to a former nhl exec and and basically they said like i don't know why they did this maybe in a in a smaller market where the media isn't like so rabid they could maybe get away with this and ride this out but boston's just not going to allow that and then i think okay well the smallest most apathetic media market in the in in the league drafted him and then ultimately renounced yeah. his rights because because of all this blowback because they couldn't because they everyone was going after them there's so, nowhere smaller to go there's nowhere smaller to go yeah well that's not true that's not true mike the smaller place to go was where he went and that was tri-city and and probably should stop there i mean that you know i i the, the college, you know, and I, I got into it yesterday with uh, a guy from the college hockey news um, named well, Adam who wrote that. this article. Should, maybe this guy and, should shut and his I, mouth. And well, he, he made the amendment to the article, which I thought was uh, an important moment of growth for him. Because uh, the point was, is that, you know, like shame on these college coaches who didn't give this kid a, a try. And I was like, no, 
No, this is not, we, we're not here. This is not a situation where we should be trotting around showing how brave we are by signing this kid. Like that is not the message that we should be sitting here. Like there's not a single elite college program that needs this kid. They just don't. They don't need him. Nobody needs him that badly. And and and, and again, to your point, like the risk analysis here, like should be so far off the charts that you don't even think about it. Um, and I'm not here to beat up on the Leafs, right? Um, I mean, I'm going to do it now, but like I'm not no, here go to go for it. it. But like they shouldn't have won. They should have lost that game. The Leafs should have lost that game, right? Like yeah. there's a ton of pressure on the Leafs. They're at home, right? They're at home. Hockey, hockey in Canada, Canada. Like against a really good team. Like that's the hottest that's, team in the league and the best yeah, team in the league. Like, they're a frustrated hockey team. The Leafs are so like they played an incredible game last night, though I will say, yeah, they're like, probably I, pissed off that the Bruins signed that game. But here, here I, I want to you know we only have a couple minutes left here, so I want to bring up two just examples here because we talk about the second chance complex now. Everyone's going to bat you know in hockey form. Yeah. I want to bring up two examples. One is Chris Campoli, um, apparently, yeah. and this is a story he made. He was a big, um, a big proponent uh, in the lockout. Uh, uh, I believe the 2012, 2013 lockout, I think might've been nah, the one before, been Any, before that it, it might've been the 2000 and 2004, 2005 lockout. He played a big part in sort of like, like bargaining for the players and which, which eventually, um, which eventually led uh, the entire season to be canceled. So a lot of people, um, a lot of players were really pissed off at him because, you know, he kept, he was sort of hard headed at the bargaining table and that that effectively blackballed him from the league for the rest of his career. He only stopped yeah. on a couple more, a couple more teams after that, and then and then was more or less black. Like the the league went together and they said we're not going to pick this guy up. Another one is Akeem Aliu, um, yeah. who you know refused to participate in in uh, a hazing ritual, a terrible. Steve Downey hazing. was at the uh, yeah the, ter- the 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 helm of that. Exactly, and then in the and then when he was in his pro career, um, had multiple like racist uh uh like sort of, like acts of discrimination but also just like slurs and everything shot at him by both you know by by Bill Peters by many many different stops in the league and that blackballed him from the NHL you know because he he spoke up against it and they blackballed him so what what I'm wondering is why if you're going to blackball Chris Campoli for you know f- for being sort of a, a a pain in the butt when it comes to union bargaining and you're going to blackball Akeem Aliu to protect yourself against his against his claims of racism that have now been proven to be true why is there not this same urgency for Mitchell Miller like why why are we taught why is it suddenly this land of second chances and you know this he's he's the perfect candidate for a redemption arc when these two people who who did not commit crimes most like one of them had crimes committed against him got blackballed for it. It just goes to show. And this comes back to it. Don't give hockey the benefit of the doubt. They will let you down every time. Yeah. And also, and here's the thing too, Mike, I do think, cause you're, well, you're younger than I am. So maybe not so much for me. Um, but I, you know, in our lives, like I do think one day we're not going to see a pristine hockey, uh, but, but like, the the people who are responsible for this nonsense are being pushed out, um, are getting old, um, are dying. <laughs> like, you know, the generations are changing. Um, and I just, I don't know, man, I hope these situations continue to fire up younger people. Um, hint, hint, if you're listening in the show mm-hmm. to not be quiet about these things and to continuously push for change in this culture and 
to constantly have the convert the difficult conversations about the culture mm-hmm. because sitting around uh, and twiddling our thumbs and saying the culture is great is is just ignorant. There are phenomenal parts of hockey, right? The work uh, Phil Kessel in children's hospitals in every city he's ever been in. Follow the trail, right? What Jason Zucker and his wife Carly do. Follow the trail. Mm-hmm. Those are great things. And yes, we should talk about those things, but those things are not, not great enough to make up the difference for all the other garbage that's going on in all these places, for all these leagues, at all these levels of the game. And we have to keep calling it out. We have to keep being vocal about it because there are people who don't think this is a problem. And that in and of itself is the biggest problem of all. I think it's a perfect place uh, to end here. So hopefully next week we'll be able to come back and we'll be able to talk about hockey and maybe have an update that the Bruins have essentially banished Mitchell Miller from the organization. We'll see if the Penguins have won by then. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll see. Um, it's always <laughs> a pleasure talking with you, Jesse. Uh, enjoy your enjoy you know enjoy your week. Try and think positive thoughts to everyone listening because it's it's tough to be a hockey fan right now. It really is. It sure is. Yep. And uh, agreed. You know, and life is too short to be extremely mad. So yep. Um, enjoy yourself and we'll be back next week see you sir